The American dream inspires many, but it's not without its flaws. The reality is people experience workforce discrimination in many forms. It's time to open our eyes and have challenging yet enlightening conversations. It's not always easy, but we need to start in order to make a difference. That conversation begins here. Welcome to the Untapped Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Untapped Podcast with Emmett and Jeremy. Tonight we have Colby Shiver, a sales professional in the tech industry. Colby is an active client of Untapped Recruiting and has won awards for commitment to excellence, getting the right things done, and championing diversity. Colby, love having you here. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, guys. It's a, it's a pleasure. Awesome. Yeah, Colby, so let's get things kicked off. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, um, I mean, I guess I'm starting from the beginning. I'm a, I'm a biracial guy. I was born and raised in Hampton, Virginia. I'm mean, uh, an area that just has a very large black population. And when I went to college, I went to an area where, you know, even though I'm only biracial, I was one of the darkest things walking around campus. And then, you know, from there, I went to work in Baltimore and, um, you know, moved up and down the East Coast. And now I'm out here in Denver. You know, through different career changes, um, I ended up in a tech um, industry in customer-facing roles. So. All right, sounds good. So um, you talked about you were biracial. Mm -hmm. So how has that played a part in your professional career? What are the positives? What would have been some of the, the the small pitfalls that you could say that you've experienced? You know, as a professional. Um, okay, so um, addressing my race in the workplace um, kind of follows the same patterns I had for the rest of my life, you know, but being biracial, um, I do think, you know, people were not apprehensive to have conversation with me, but when it, it came time for, um, for promotions or to be considered for, um, you know, vacant roles, you know, people tend to stick with what they're most comfortable with, which in a workplace, usually white people, so um. I'm um, not trying to make white people sound bad. Again, I'm biracial. My mom's white. I love her. I love white people. It's just that um, being biracial, it's it, it'll be wrong to say that you know that being held against me isn't a part of my experience. Does that make sense? Uh, it makes a whole lot of sense. Is is actually still something that you know it makes you shake your head. If people could see me right now, and I'm just shaking my head right now because equality. It is and we, we talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion. Mm -hmm. The E part always is the part that kind of gets left out, but mm -hmm. then it really goes back to that I part, you know, inclusive, inclusion. Right. And to hear that you're a part of both sides of the equation, mm -hmm. but just because you're a little bit darker and you're not pure it's not something that in which people want to say, all right, well, we're going to give this guy a chance. Tell me a time. And I don't know if it, it doesn't have to be recently uh, where you felt that let's just say you were the right guy, but you weren't selected. You could have felt that you were the most qualified, but they just didn't choose you. Um, my first job out of college, you know, things are going well for me at that company until I got a new director. Um, at that in that company, I think I had um, three promotions in under two years. And um, heading into my third year, one of the people 
uh, that had a, a higher role than me, not my director, but, um, you know, in between. Um, so it was actually, you know, called a, a clinical research coordinator. Uh, and at that time, I was a project assistant um, and they had that vacancy when she left. As a project assistant, I had been doing everything um, that the CRC, the, the, the coordinator does. It's just that it wasn't my name on it at the end of the day. Like, you know, if, if there were any issues, of course, like they would come to her with it because she had the bottom line responsibility for it. Um, but once they left, I, you know, well, when she left and that vacancy was open and the study was still going, you know, I thought I was a shoe when I put my name in the hat. And um, they ended up going up with a, a person that had more work experience than me, but didn't have work experience in our field. Um, so they'd rather bring in somebody else, again, that I had to do a lot of helping out um, and I was denied the, the, the actual role. So, you know, it's kind of frustrating, you know, it's, it's a real slap in the face when you're teaching the person that got the role that you wanted. And I mean, you know, that lady, I mean, she turned out to be, you know, to end up being a good friend of mine, but you know, it's, it's not her fault. Like, you know, like everyone should put their own, raise their hand for a, for an opportunity they want. But I think, you know, the people that called the shots and placing her above me, it just, it just didn't make sense to me. I can't make sense of it. So. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's definitely tough. I, you know, can't imagine being in one of those positions where you feel like, you know, you are the right person for the role. You've got the connections. I mean, in, in this scenario, you know, one of the things that Jeremy and I often talk about in our other conversations with is, you know, hiring the right people or, you know, saying it's the best person for the job. But a lot of times people end up hiring buddies, friends, previous connections, whoever that may be. Was that the same situation here with her? I wasn't close with um, the HR uh, person at that company. Um, she, she was a bit removed. Um, so I'm not sure if there was a, a prior relationship between those two. I don't think anybody else at the company um, had previous experience with her. So, you know, I, I don't know if that play, uh, played a factor in there. And uh, I remember that that same role that I wanted, there were two other people that, you know, were already in that position that I had been working on their studies as well, because this is um, clinical research. And um, one of them took me to lunch. It was like after the, the first week, the starting week of that new person. And um, she was saying like how disappointed she was that I didn't get the, uh, the position. So, I mean, I don't know, I guess I'm skeptical or, or I like to do reality checks for myself. And if something doesn't go my way, I try to take a step back and see if I had any self delusions, like did I think that I was qualified and maybe I wasn't? Or like, where am I missing? Like, you know, where did, where did I mess up at? And to have kind of that validation of somebody that's in the role and somebody that has worked with me saying that, you know, I should have got it. It was comforting to hear, but it still didn't make it right. Because like, what can I do in that situation? And I mean, I guess that kind of goes back to, you know, a philosophy that I've kind of developed. I'm not really fitting in with, um, you know, the, the white community and the black community. Um, is just that I can't give people a reason to say no. Like, I, I mean, I just have to take the mentality that I have to be so good that for them to say no is just, 
ridiculous. Is it a foolproof plan? No, but it's something that I can control. So, but you having to change um, yourself, and that's something that I always go back to is, you know, you have to go back, and you're saying that you have to go back and reassess and look at yourself in the mirror when actuality nothing was wrong, nothing right. that you did was wrong, and. Mm -hmm. One thing that kind of frustrates me in, in the HR experience, which I don't even call it HR anymore, is CR, computerized resources, because that's literally what it is. There's no human element to it like it used to be. And, and that's something here at Untapped that we would like to change. We want to bring that human side to it for as far as a resolution to what human resources should be. But based on your description and, and what you actually stated, there's nothing that you did wrong, but the problem is, is that we would always go back and we would go back and reassess the things that we did, or we would go back and replay the interview in our head and say, all right, what I could have said differently in that situation. The fact of the matter is, is that there are so many times in which the best candidate is not being hired. And the person who had the bang out interview that did everything that they were supposed to do, they'll come back and you'll hear, the excuse of in which you stated, well, they had a little bit more work experience, but what about the work experience in this specific field? Then also on top of that is, what about all the other intangibles that this person could bring to the table? You mean to tell me this person would mesh well with this team or would Colby be better for this team because he may know X, Y, Z, and he may already have the ins and outs to the people that are working on this team to where he could be able to communicate with them on a better, uh, let's say, spectrum. But from what I'm hearing, I hear a professional that wants to move forward. And what I'm getting back is, is that don't want this guy to kind of move forward. You're kind of keeping them in that, that zone, that waiting area. How long are we gonna have to stay in that waiting area? And there's no reason for you to continue that. So what do you feel that needs to change as far as senior representation in companies? Do we need to become more diverse or do you feel like we just need to go with the status quo and they need to change their methods? I think that, you know, things are bad when the company won't have dialogue about diversity um, because then it's kind of hopeless. But, you know, when you have a bunch of, of, of promises that are never fulfilled, then you kind of understand that everything that was said was disingenuous. I mean, not to gas you guys up, but I mean, I definitely see the value in your service and what you provide because you, you kind of look at the facts. I mean, you just look at, you know, who's the best suited for this job. I mean, and I understand for a lot of roles, personality does play a, a factor, but I mean, kind of having an understand, understanding or a predefined rubric of, I mean, how much you're gonna give those um, intangibles weight when it comes to considering for somebody for a job. I mean, I might be able to, you know, talk to anybody, but if I don't know what I'm doing, I don't know what I'm doing. And also it's the same thing on the other side is like, you know, I do see that the value be able to, uh, to communicate well with others, but I don't know. I, I just feel like there has to be a, a predefined, like, okay, this person's communication skills um, he gets a 10 out of 10 that's going to count for um, maybe X percent of what this role entails. I mean, for that, that specific job, I mean, 
you just had to be really familiar with study protocols, um, FDA regulations, and GCP guidelines. If you weren't familiar with those, that would be like, you know, somebody never, you know, never studying something before. I mean, or let's just say Bible study or something like that. Somebody never read a Bible or went to church or anything like that, and they walk in having to run a Bible study. I mean, it'd be a little hard to do. And that's kind of how I felt up. Like, you know, I was like, you know, I was here for two years. You guys see me studying. You guys see me applying, um, like applying my knowledge and um, getting you guys the results. But to be passed up on because of some intangible, what do you do with that? And and not just to, to, to look at me personally, to, to remove me from the situation. It, let's say you owned a business or you own stake in a business. Would you want the person that is running your company for you to hire people that they like or hire people that can get the job done? I'm not asking for a handout here. I'm just asking for a, an equal opportunity, a true equal opportunity to deliver um, what you guys are looking for. So, I mean, at the end of the day, you're paying me to get a job done. If I can get it better, done better than somebody else, why not sign me up? Yeah, 100%. Something else I've kind of, you know, we've talked about a little bit. I've heard you kind of say as far as, you know, being biracial and you kind of have a foot in both camps, not really belonging to one or the other. One of the things that's on my mind is the term code switching, which is something that I learned relatively recently. Mm-hmm. And for someone with your background, do you feel like you've got to play a part within one or the other? Do you feel like you've got to cater to one demographic versus the other when you're interviewing? How do you feel like that plays into your role and your opportunities with people? And is it a disadvantage? Because I've also heard in some ways it doesn't seem like, yeah, while you fit in both areas, you don't feel like you belong in either at the same time too. How does that play in your in your experience, both professionally and maybe even personally? I would say my experience has been a lot more about the latter, what you spoke of. My experience being biracial is 80% of the people would be cool with you really easy because you have something in common, um, whether it be white people or black people. But I found that very few till nobody has your back. Because again, like, you know, people look after their own. They look after, I mean, like, effects like. And I don't fit into either one. So I always go through life kind of thinking like, you know, the only person that has me is me. And, and I mean, that's, I mean, that's just the mentality I've had, always had to have. And I mean, to be honest with you, I've had just as many bad encounters with, you know, you know, black community as white community. I'm a nerd. I always have been like, oh, man, like, you know, you ain't really black. You know, you just you just, you know, you just happen to have a black dad. And but, you know, you, you white as hell, you too white or whatever. And, you know, and the sad thing is, like, you know, a lot of the things that, you know, I got deemed too white or deemed as too white for were, you know, just because I was being academic. You know, so I do think 
I do think something needs to be done there as far as uh, the black community and how they view quote unquote blackness. I mean, you can't you can't shame those kinds of things, but also want to celebrate black excellence. Because those people that are trying to reach excellence, I mean, they have to do they have to make excellent efforts before they can reach excellent results, right? Mm-hmm. You sitting there and shaming them on their on their efforts, you have to put in the work first, right? You're only deterring them from reaching their potential. And it's it's a weird thing. I, I feel like it's only the um, African-American community that does this because I have friends that I've worked with um, from Nigeria and they lift each other up so hard. They help each other so hard. We're the only ones with a chip on our shoulder to not do something or to not empower ourselves or each other. And I mean, it's sad. It's a conversation that um, that um, my sister and I, she's biracial as well. Um, and we have this conversation all the time because she has a lot of international friends and she's trying to, we're trying to figure out like, how the hell did this happen? Um, you know, we have, you know, black immigrants coming over here. So you, you can take the race part of away. They're able to put a lot more of their life together than people that have, or than African-Americans that have had generations here with far stronger networks and a lot less cultural differences. And it's sad, but I mean, it is what it is. Another thing being biracial is uh, a lot of people feel comfortable to talk about the other race to you. So, you know, if anyone's gonna, if any white dude's gonna drop the N-word around anybody of color, they're gonna start with the lightest person first. So I do get brought into a lot of those uncomfortable situations. And the same thing as far as, um, you know, anti-white conversations, I get brought into those same things, but I mean, I've got uncles that are dark as they come. And um, I've got, I mean, my mom's, you know, white, white, like she doesn't tan and she burns. Like my mom was born and raised in London, like that, that white, like no sunshine, no direct sunshine for her. <laughs> yeah, like, so it, it's, it's, a, it's a weird place, like, you know, being where people will, um, test out their ignorance on you, but also the people that you stand up for are doing the same shit. So code switching is a thing. I mean, it's something that I, I take advantage of. It's a, it's a coping mechanism. It, I mean, right or wrong, I got to do what I got to do in order to, to, to get that next opportunity. The part that I do feel uh, ashamed of sometimes that I, um, you know, when it comes to the application process, you guys know that uh, one, that diversity recognition. I worry uh, when I apply places that that's going to be seen as a negative thing to privileged employers. Because I also feel like, uh, you know, media portrays a very negative connotation for anybody fighting for civil rights or equality never in history has it really been celebrated by all even now i mean right now we're in the midst of this you know russia ukraine thing everyone's talking about how horrible it is but i mean none of the uh, the black students can get out of the damn country 
So I mean, if if they're if they're if they were good enough and their money was good enough to to go to the schooling system there in the universities, um, then you treat them like a guest. But that's not been it, has it? Like it, it's blatant double standards. And you know, it's a uh, it's interesting. I mean, you guys are both fathers now. Uh, you know, and you guys know we had previous conversations that that's something I'm gearing up for. But you know, being a being a father of color to a kid of color in the United States of America is scary. Very. Like, I don't know, man. Like, it's something like you know, being a father is something that was a uh, a very deep desire of mine. But, whew. I've got some fears around it. You know, I would love for my kid to be, not have to worry about the same shit that we do. I mean, and I think this has been, you know, a dream, you know, described by Dr. Martin Luther King for so long, but I don't feel like we've really taken too many steps to realize it. Agreed. I mean, you guys remember Rodney King? I don't know um, if you guys remember that. Like you know, he mm -hmm. he got beat, and the world, I mean, you know, and the country went nuts. I mean, now they're shooting black kids, and ain't shit happening. I don't know. Like that's a you know, you can't tell me that that's progress. There is that progress is is one thing that. It, it a lot there's so many definitions for it what do we define as progress how are we moving forward um blacks have the mentality right now as all right well if you're very smart then where did you get your smarts from and it's a shame that we're shaming you as a biracial man because you are very good in the classroom I was good in the classroom, but it would always get said. And, and when you're in class, oh, that's the nerd or, or, well, he just don't, he don't fit with us. And one thing I learned at a very young age, I knew when I didn't fit in, I knew how to fit out. And the problem is, is that with my race is that we like to play this role of, okay, well, we're going to play clicks. We like to, this is the cool click. Either you're going to be a part of it or you are not. I re I've realized also in high school, I ain't getting invited to the parties. I'm not, going, I'm not going to any of that because I never would get an invite. I was different. I came into school. I knew what I had to do. I knew I had to make it happen for myself because there were no scholarship dollars waiting on me. I had a top scholarship that paid for my tuition. I had a scholarship from Northwestern State University that helped pay for part of my, my tuition, and I got a Pell Grant. Those are the things that helped me get through my undergraduate education experience. But I couldn't have done any of that by being a part of the cool clique that did X, Y, Z after school, doing this, that, that, and the other. That's fine. But as Blacks, it's very disappointing when you get into this little comfort zone to where we don't, we're not smart. Where did that come from? We're very intelligent. We're very smart. But 
you're quick to say, oh, you just dumb, blankety, blankety, blank. That's the issue. And we have to change that mentality up here because our white counterparts are probably saying, and that's what they think about themselves. Well, that's exactly what they are then. So why do we want them in our corporate America spaces taking our positions if they feel that they're dumb as it is? We're shooting ourselves in the foot. Kobe, you, you hit it on, you hit a very critical point that has never been actually hit in one of our podcasts. We shoot ourselves in the foot daily when it comes to positions, when it comes to better prepping ourselves to move up a ladder. We do stuff to just say, okay, well, I'm just disqualifying myself because I don't feel I'm smart enough. That's a mentality that you should never embrace, ever. You should always embrace the fact that you are a person, you are an individual, which makes you unique from anyone else. Your name is different. Everything about you is different. But you are the one who has the ability to change any situation by using your mind to get where you're trying to go. And for them to shame you because you were great in the classroom, X, Y, Z, and you weren't a part of their clique because of this and that and that and the other, it's very disappointing. But I can tell you, as a black man, it happened to me too. And it's sad because you're like, well, you would think they would be proud of you because you're moving forward. Oh no, the, the first thing that they're gonna say is, you're too white or you've changed or, or why you don't come to the hood no more or you where changed. you been? Oh, mm -hmm. what, what do you mean I've changed? My stripes have never changed. Last I checked, I have to walk to a mirror every day and I see what I am, a black man. Right. But the issue is, is that because I'm educated and I have a job that keeps me busy, keywords, a job that keeps me busy, I choose not to sit at home and wait for a check. And that's not to sit here and talk about ones that are on welfare because guess what? There are plenty of whites that are on welfare too. Plenty. Mm -hmm. There's both sides of that equation. You have the ability to change who you are, but you choose to just sit there and wait for the government to take care of you. No, I didn't want the government to take care of me. I want it better for Jeremy. You want better for Colby. Emmett wants better for Emmett. So that's the difference. So I'm not going to sit here and play pity party for anyone, but right. you hit a very critical point. It's not all about what whites may do to us. It's about what blacks do to us too. And mm -hmm. a lot of the times those words end up tearing somebody's confidence down to the point to where they don't want to do anything. They will go and follow the leader. And that leader is something that they shouldn't even be following. And they end up, in your home cities and they still reminiscing on their football days, uh, what they did in high school, but you 40 years old mm -hmm. and you still reminiscing on those things. What, what are you doing? You've done nothing mm -hmm. with yourself, but that's because you allow Pookie and Ray Ray to tell you, Oh, Oh, you're nothing. You're not going to be anything. You, you're, you're just going to be just like me, somebody out on the street. We have watched so many movies that have come out 
and they've had that same connotation. So many. And I, I kid you not, I get tired of seeing them. I'm ready to see something that's going to be a little bit more uplifting to tell, talk, tell a better story about what we're doing. The problem is, is that we tear each other down so much. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we talk, Kobe, we, we talk about supporting black businesses and then we go and support the black business. And when, what ends up happening, Kobe? Man, I see why I have to go over here or over there, over there, over there. Mm-hmm. We need to become more positive. And we've lost that in a lot of ways in our forward direction. Emmett, I know with you, you have you have those same racial dealings and you had to come through a whole lot of things, especially after September 11th, 2001. I know you went through it. I know what people used to probably say to you. And it's very disappointing because all people aren't bad. And that, that's that's going back to something I'm gonna I'm gonna continue to harp on. If you listening out there, just because you're black, every white person is not bad. Every Iranian, Indian, no matter what their culture is, they are not bad. If you are white, listen to this, every black person ain't bad. Every ethnicity is every person that is a of a different ethnicity, race, uh, gender. They are not bad. You have to get to know people and really understand who they are, where they come from, the things that they've done in their lives and their careers. Find that out first before you seek judgment on anyone. But I'm gonna get off my soapbox. You know how I get when when I hear something. Jamie, are you passionate? I don't, I'm not sure if I can, if I can sense the passion. <laughs> Come on, you, you know I'm passionate when when I hear a topic. Ooh, whew, wait, hold on, stop. Let me hear that. But I'm, I'm off my soapbox. I'm going to give y'all an opportunity. I'm going to sit back and chill out for a second. Yeah, I mean, the, the things that come to my mind, you know, obviously, Colby, obviously, I appreciate you being super vulnerable there. I mean, as Jeremy said, you've hit on things that we haven't ever discussed really in the Untapped podcast and you experience both sides of of the argument or of the kind of the, the sentiments and where do you belong and the internal conflict I'm sure that happens on a regular basis. But it leads me to kind of want to know, based off of the things I listed out earlier, the introduction of the call, you know, you've obviously made a name for yourself. You've earned awards. You've championed diversity. Kind of talk a little bit about what you've done to really – push the needle forward to help progress the challenges that are being had both today and where do you see the future headed? Yeah, on the, on the you know, on the, on the work side, as far as I'm um, getting, um, I guess, like a performance recognition, I, I attribute a lot of that to my father. Um, my father was and is, um, you know, my original hero. Growing up, well, he retired from the Navy. He did 20 years in the Navy. He retired when I was about four. Um, but ever since then, he's been in the shipyard. And I watched this man 12-hour days, six days a week, is, like, is his norm. But, you know, that one day on Sundays, like, you know, he gave me all of his attention. And even though I was young, I understood 
all that work that he was putting in, like that was sacrifice. That was to put me in better situations. I was one of the early ones diagnosed with ADD. Um, so they did whatever they could to scrounge up money to find people that, you know, could educate them on how to raise me and how to help me with my academics at a young age because my mind just works different. Like, you know, this was a kind of a new, I mean, you know, we're a lot more familiar with ADD now, but um, 25 years ago, not so much. If I needed tutors, tutors were there. And I mean, he had some very, um, my dad wasn't necessarily a strict father. Um, he just had non-negotiables. Um, for me, he um, <laughs> he watched the movie Coach Carter. You know, if you guys haven't seen that, listen to the podcast. I advise you to go take a watch. But um, Coach Carter made his son get a 3.0 in order to uh, be eligible to play basketball when in high school you only need a 2.0. Um, my dad decided um, I did 3.0 too easy, so he required me to have a 3.5 GPA in order to play sports. I was a year-round athlete. You know, I graduated high school with like, you know, like a, a 3.9 um, GPA. So it worked. It got me to college. It got me in to where I am today. And I just kind of, you know, took that same hustle that I saw in him and just, you know, took it to my, his blue collar, well, yeah, I took his blue collar work ethic and applied it to my white collar work roles. Um, somebody might be smarter than me, somebody might work harder than me, but you're not going to do both. And I'm going to make it really hard for you to work harder than me. <laughs> That's just it. And um, yeah, and going back to the education piece, um, you know, it doesn't stop at college. And if you guys aren't in college yet or didn't go to college, like it doesn't wait for that either. There's so many good free open resources online. Just, you know, just develop the discipline to always improve yourself. The world's always changing. Um, I know, you know, we're still not back to what the uh, original normal was after this pandemic, but I mean, things change, take advantage of that, leverage it. Everybody kind of got handed a very similar deal here who adapts the best, those are the ones that walk away as winners. So even though I changed careers um, twice, yeah, hustle and self-education has really pushed me to the, the forefront of my peers. Um, so yeah, just do whatever it takes. I mean, and, and, and mean that. I mean, is it going to be uncomfortable? Are you going to have to sacrifice? Are you going to have to do things you're not going to get paid for? Yeah. Um, and, and be careful about tricking yourself about the things you're not going to get paid for, like, even though you might not be on the clock or doing something that, you know, you're not going to get that immediate gratification for, um, you'll get that recognition. And, you know, um, that recognition does go far. That's something else that you can leverage later on. For me, I mean, I'm really glad that I got all three of these awards um, just from this one company in the last two years, because that entire time I've been here, I've been the one to win that award out of 200 people. So, you know, I was top of mind um, out of 200 people three different times. Um, and that just makes you, I mean, the more people know you for excellence, when, they, when an opportunity comes up, you, you take advantage of it. Um, I don't know what actor it is. I want to say it was Denzel, but I'm not sure um, says uh luck is when opportunity and preparation meet so in essence i mean i'm a math guy 
you can create your own luck. If you prepare well enough, you have complete control over that, correct? Um, yes. And also opportunity, opportunities out there, you just have to raise your hand, apply, call, do what you have to do to get in front of people. Um, and then things happen. And I mean, yeah, just create your own luck, guys. You've obviously got the the smarts, the the motivation, the passion to do what you need to do. And you know what's mm -hmm. important. You obviously have, are passionate about both your professional experience as well as taking it a step further and, and working and championing diversity as well, that equity and inclusion. Yeah, so for the, the diversity work, um, you know, just given my experience, um, I do, again, I feel like, uh, you know, being biracial, I get cool with a lot of people, but, you know, I don't know, that initial part, like, you know, people are like, oh, yeah, Kobe's cool, um, but, like, you know, I'm not going to be in there, like, inner circle kind of thing, and I, you know, I kind of leveraged that during, um, I joined a company in 2020, and that's when everything went down in uh, Minnesota. And, you know, I, I opened up because um, at that time I was already running more like morning role play sessions. Salespeople, they'll practice on each other like, you know, so they'll do, you know, fake calls with peers just to, to, to warm up, to try different word tracks out. And, um, you know, I guess just get ready for the day. And um, so I was I was already running one of those sessions every other day. So when that happened, you know, we had a diverse, diverse group of people. And, you know, I just kind of, that day I just set everything aside. You know, I had planned to go through a certain um, product that we had and I was like, you know, are you guys okay? And then um, things got real. I mean, a lot of people were waiting for that conversation to open up and that what was scheduled for only 30 minutes ended up only like going for about an hour and a half. I missed my morning meeting with my manager. She, she's a black woman. I messaged her while that meeting was going on, letting her know what was going on and she was okay with that. And then um, I kind of brought that to my director and said like, you know, it will be really nice not just to get a, a statement from the company, but to have like a regional call where you check in. I mean, it's hard to swallow when you see injustices done to people just like you and the people that you work with expect you to carry on like nothing's happening. Um, that gives you the same feeling that if it were your ass, that they would be carrying on business as usual. And that's not okay. Amen. You don't have to be black to empathize with that situation. You don't have to act like you know all the black culture to talk to somebody black about that situation. But just the question, are you okay? It shows concern. 
so yeah, um, he put together that call. It went, it went well. He felt heard. We've heard some other people in our organization talk about their experiences or experiences with loved ones or friends that let us realize that they have stuck in the game too, that they feel the same pressures that we feel. I mean, it was good. That's what I did. That's how I got that award. And congrats and kudos to you. Emmett, I'm fulfilled. Um, I, I am, I'm, I'm so fulfilled right now. I'm good. We got not only the work side, but we got the personal side today. And that allowed more topics of conversation and more of a, uh, I could say, a bigger platform to where others can hear from a different perspective. Because I guarantee you that blacks and whites, uh, no matter what, can hear this and really talk to a lot of the situations that were discussed today. This has been, uh, Kobe, I, I want to say congratulations to you and kudos to you just by being a biracial man. But you also, again, like Emmett said, you allowed yourself to be vulnerable in so many moments. And for you to stand where you are right now and be on that precipice of fatherhood as we have probably tried to throw that that little <laughs> magic your way, trying to throw it your way. Um, and and I, I'm going to hit on one last thing, and then Emmett, I'm going to let you uh, ask that, that wrap-up question. Uh, you talked about how cultures from Africa were coming over, and you see how they are there together. My yeah. wife is from South Africa, born and raised. That's her home country. And the one thing that I noticed about her is that it is family first, no matter what. And sometimes, you know, I understand we go through situations in life in which, you know, we deal with a bad family situation and we allow those things to affect our personal life and our professional life and how we treat people. Mm -hmm. If you're listening out there, and you have allowed a situation to affect you to the point where you go to work and it starts to affect you, you need to take some time off and find you a counselor, ASAP. Mm -hmm. There are plenty of programs out here that, that can get you the help that you need because this is not about disliking any race. It's not no, what this no. is about. That's not what DEI is about we're trying to help a situation that we see is in some people's eyes is getting better some people's eyes it's just stayed the same then you got the others it says just still getting worse but if you are holding grudges out there because of things that have happened in the past xyz you are a part of the problem and you are the ones that need to really change. I'm gonna get off my soapbox because I, I didn't been on it too many times tonight. Um, I'm gonna shut up. Emmett, you can ask the, the wrap up question. <laughs> question we always like to ask, you know, because we are about change, we are about that progress. Colby, in your mind, in your eyes, how do you think untapped recruiting can push the needle forward 
would love to hear your perspective on how we can help. Well, I mean, I think just the nature of what, what the business is built around, right, is, um, is relationships. And um, as you guys alluded to earlier, there's a lot of people that will put their, their friends in the spot um, or fill positions with their friends over more qualified candidates. I think by you guys developing those um, both business and personal relationships with these business owners, you're already creating that bridge that wasn't there before. You know, if I were applying to a job, didn't work there, didn't know anybody in the company, I'm just a random dude. I'm just a random dude. Um, but by you guys developing and cultivating those relationships, Colby becomes, oh, that's Emmett's man, or, you know, untapped sent us this guy. So I think, you know, just being that liaison is vital. I mean, we all know, you know, having a liaison or an ambassador is important or else countries wouldn't have them. So um, you guys are just taking that same thing um, to the business space. And that's valuable. I mean, any, you know, any step in the right direction is, is progress. So keep on doing what you guys do. I appreciate what you're doing. Um, you know, not just for me, but for anyone that's felt these pressures before not just racially but you know sexual orientation identity what have you you guys are again creating that bridge hey that's it man we appreciate it and colby as always it's obviously a pleasure talking with you appreciate you taking your time this evening with us love absolutely what you're doing keep it up keep it going and we always like i said i appreciate your your vulnerability your honesty and to all of our listeners that are listening tonight very much appreciate your time this evening and we will see you all in the next episode we hope you enjoyed today's episode and we'd be honored if you would review us wherever you listen to our podcast we are actively looking for people of color to send us their resumes and career aspirations so please log on to untappedrecruiting.com to learn more 